Welcome to Still Not Asking For It, a podcast brought to you by Hope Harbor, a sexual trauma recovery center. I'm your host, Elena, and today I'm joined with Mel G, our producer, as well as a friend of the show who has asked that their identity not be shared. The reason that she's asking that her identity not be shared is because she is a part of the BDSM and kink community. This episode, we're going to be talking about her personal experience as a survivor of sexual assault and her journey to recovery that has incorporated BDSM and the kink community. This also serves as a trigger warning to let all of our listeners know, um, as with all of our episodes, we'll be talking about sexual assault, um, as well as references to uh, BDSM, kink. There's some mentioning of pornography, as well as child abuse and child exploitation. If you need to skip this episode, that is totally fine. But if not, we hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. So BDSM as a subculture, kink and a part of the BDSM community, which has three different subcultures in that culture. And the first one is called B&D, which is just bondage and discipline. And then you have DS, which is dominance and submission, which is what my relationship is. And then you have S&M, which is sadism and masochism, which I'm also a part of. Yeah, because that was something, yeah, that I only recently learned, too. The multiple, de- like, I don't know, the acronyms within the acronym, which I found to be, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, it can be very confusing because if you look it up, there's so many different explanations to it. But if you look in the right places, you'll find the correct information. But it's easier, one, if you know somebody who's in the lifestyle, or you go to a party or something and just meet and greet people and learn about it yourself. Or you just go to a munch, which is a meet and greet to meet people in the community if you're new for the first time. So how did you, like, how did you become a part of this community? Like, what was your introduction to it? So my introduction to the community was, um, so I had been researching it for a long time, um, for probably about three years before I even decided to try anything for the first time, because um, I was really nervous about it. Um, but I always found it very curious because someone who grew up with me that was like a sister um, was involved in it. And that's how I actually learned what BDSM kind of was. But my first introduction into it was through a friend that I met at one of the munches and her husband. Okay, so what made you start researching it to begin with? Because you said you researched it for like three years. So what like kind of interest do you from the get-go? So I was very interested in the... DS aspect of things which is what I live now so the dominance and submission part but what was hard was finding someone you could trust to learn about the different disciplines with and not someone who's just going to abuse you or use it against you because I've heard a lot of horror stories about girls getting introduced into the BDSM lifestyle through an abusive relationship like it was kind of forced on them so a relationship that I had a couple years ago um he had mentioned that he wanted to try or seek out polyamory and at that time I did not know what polyamory was which is the different relationships, but you're all like together, but not together. So he tried to introduce me to that, but his idea of an introduction to that was telling me that he was going to do it. And if I didn't like it, I could go. Okay. <laughs> so he was kind of forcing it on right. me. Yeah. Um, that did not play with me very well. Um, 
and but I was still curious about it but I didn't seek anything further after that because I didn't feel like I was going to find it and mm -hmm. then I met my partners that I'm with now and I actually met him on FetLife it is an online community of kinky people. <laughs> yeah, I learned about that in some of the other podcasts that, yeah, I had listened to. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and he had followed me on there, I guess, like three years ago. And then a friend of mine had introduced me to um, a kit group um, that was for the BDSM community. And there's like maybe 15 to 20 of us total and so it stays really small so it's a trusted small knit group because we all get together and hang out and all that very often and just hang out <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so fet life is that kind of like facebook but yeah, yeah it's kind of like facebook for the kink community um, and would you say, is that like a good introduction to it? Like, is that like a good first step for somebody or? I think it is a good first step just to learn about the community, but I do not think that it is a good thing to make if you're very new into it, because a lot of people can tell that you're new by your profile, especially if you don't have many pictures up, you're not really saying much about yourself um and all that and like they know like there's predators on there and they they look for women to abuse i had someone tell me once who messaged me i i did not know this person and messaged me and said that if um my boyfriend at the time was not willing to let me be used by other men, then there was no point in me being around. Oh. Uh. He said that to me directly. Uh. I was not very happy. Right. <laughs> so um, there's still, yeah, there's still plenty of creeps, just like there are yes. in any community. Yeah. Yes. But in the kink community, you have to be very, very careful because if you meet the wrong person at the right time, and you share intimate details with them, photos, whatever it may be, they can use it against you. So I'm always very cautious about the people I meet. Um, I do not just add friends on there, just like you would on Facebook. I don't just add people because FetLife is a very explicit community, mm -hmm. as um, very explicit. So <laughs> it's not like, Facebook yeah it's not censored yeah like it's not yeah, it's not it's not censored at all so yeah so like knowing somebody which you kind of talked about too like knowing somebody first you know was like a good opening for you you know and being able to like have someone you trusted going to that first munch yes and then um another one of my friends who I actually met at my first kink party she's awesome she's older like in her 50s she's amazing and she has become such a good friend of mine like she always makes sure that I am well taken care of um but she's the one who introduced me into how to begin to learn to trust men again yeah because like she is a sensualist which just means she just really likes sensual touches and things like that all over her um but that's what she classifies herself as um, and she does not take relationships very lightly at all. So, so if she's so, in a relationship, it's long-term. So you're saying like, uh, sensualist, is that what you said? So like, she's into, yeah, like just being touched, like not intercourse. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it can have both. Uh, I mean, it can incorporate that, but it doesn't necessarily have to because a lot of sensualism is just a lot of touch with different objects and the feeling of different things on oh. your body. 
Okay, so like candle wax, like yes. stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's it's for sexual pleasure. Um, so so you eat candle wax, feathers, rope, different things. Yeah, that's can interesting. Be used, like any, you can use any household item as an ob- as a as an object. Trust mm-hmm. me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can. She um she makes toys like pat like paddles and things like that out of household objects. How resourceful. I know. She is super resourceful. It's so awesome. Like I have one, but she likes to put um oh what is it? The little glitter beads on everything. <laughs> yeah. Do they like sell them like on Etsy? Like is this a thing that like there's like this like e commerce like Oh, yeah. You can find all kinds of BDSM objects and different things for discipline and bondage and stuff all over Etsy. Yeah, like people make their own. Yeah. And I they love sell that. them. Yeah, but she does. She she takes, um, will take orders and stuff and make them. Oh, my gosh. Like kinky craft. I, I can think of all kinds of fun names that I'm sure people have already thought of. You know, like, yeah, crafty kinkster and stuff like that. That'd be great. That would when, be great. <laughs> when this new Etsy shop pops up, you know it's Elena getting into a new hobby. <laughs> be like, I can craft this stuff. It would be so great. Okay, I also looked up um, where the term munch comes from, which, yeah, is, so munch seems to be, according to the very reputable Wikipedia, a, like, specific to BDSM. Mm-hmm. Like, so people who are like furries or like these other types of kink would not call it a munch. Is that, do you know anything about that? Is that your experience? Yeah. Um, and that it comes from the phrase burger munch, uh, which doesn't let me click on it. So like, I don't know if that's like a phrase people use to literally mean like, we're going to go eat burgers together or if it's sexual and I am just this little baby who doesn't know what this means <laughs> i'm also looking this up I'm like, what? and then apparently in some uh so like it's also often called a munch because people will have food um there so it's like this casual thing where you get to meet people and you get to like you know house party i guess and have hors d'oeuvres and snacks yes so the munches that i usually go to they're usually pre-planned and they're set for a specific one specific day of the month every month and it's usually at a restaurant in a back like a party area away from other people and that's how we usually do it and it's not and yeah you're not like coming to scene or like do things together you're just coming to meet and talk yes that's it make connections Yes. yes so a munch is for beginners in the lifestyle to just go and meet it's just called a, a munch so it's just a meet and greet to meet other people who live in your community that's also in the same lifestyle as you that you could you know meet up with you could have someone to mentor you or someone to talk to about to ask any questions that you have and they'll be more than happy to answer yeah and so how are these advertised how do you, how did you find out that this these events were happening so i find them on um fet life and um you can do people set up meet and greets on there munches and you can um like just like facebook you can click if you want to go to the event or rsvp if you plan on attending the event and it's just a meet and greet you just meet people talk to community talk to people there's no sexual interactions yes nothing okay which I think this is a good time to to point out too so if you're not kinky in the community people who are not in the community essentially who are not kinky are called vanilla yes So. so it's not that they it's just their lifestyle is vanilla it just means that they don't participate in taboo sexual acts or things that other people would consider taboo or deviant some other people would like me yeah so they're like the muggle of the yes oh yes they're kind of like the muggle (laughs) okay exactly what they are (laughs) i love that i love how excited you got about that too i do i love it (laughs) 
so I kind of, I, I want to talk about like for sure, right? The, where you were kind of personally before um, meeting people in this community. So, you know, talking about what comfort level you had or, or like your understanding of sex and like what sex was, you know, like what sex meant to you as a survivor. Um, and then like how that shifted um, or how being into BDSM changed shifted. that. Yeah. So my, my childhood growing up wasn't the best. I did not have a good introduction to what sex was because I came from a lot of abusive relationships and not only in my like sexual relationships but a lot of abuse and just my home life with my parents um, and things like that so I did not have a good introduction into what sex was because I always saw it as something bad because I was sexually assaulted for a very long time many many years so it was very difficult to me to even be able to find the positive aspects of sex because I've always had always heard that it was supposed to be something that was supposed to be lovable and caring and enjoyable and pleasurable and instead it became something that was just abusive that I just wanted to run and hide from every single day and that I didn't know how to escape or get out of and BDSM kind of opened my eyes a little but I was still very scared because of all the horror stories I'd already heard about you know women getting abused in the lifestyle um, or getting into the lifestyle because they were abused and it was really really hard but when I found the BDSM lifestyle, it's kind of, it was kind of like when you find it with the right person, I mean, let me reiterate, when you find it with the right person, not the lifestyle, the right person or the right partner or partners that love you and treat you well, that's when I've been able to find the enjoyable pleasure you're supposed to get from sex. I don't ever feel like it's something that has to be rushed. It's always taken in my time. If I say no, no means no, and that's it. We use the stoplight term, which is red, yellow, and green. Green means go, just like the stop sign. Um, uh, yellow is, the, is like the caution light. It means slow down. Um, and when red, that means stop, cease, and desist. Everything stops, no matter what's happening. And even in the moment, if something is happening, you still have the right to say no. And BDSM has brought so much more, like, empowerment back into my life because now I get to choose what happens to me. All those bad things that happen to me, to me now, no longer matter because I get to choose what happens to me now. And I can wholeheartedly say and I mean this in a good term wholeheartedly say I can tell my partner that I love him and I want him to put his hands around my throat and I have because it's enjoyable and I have absolutely no like fear at all I, he's the only person I've ever met that I've had total and absolute trust with like, there's just no fear there at all. And I never thought that I would find that. How did you get to that point with him to where you realized I can trust him 100%? It actually did not take that long. Um, it was probably with honestly within the first couple of weeks because before we even started talk, like dating, we talked for about six weeks before we even started talking about dating um and then when we actually met in person for the first time uh, we just sat and talked about we literally sat and talked about everything he asked me what my limits were um what i liked what i didn't like what i was okay with what i wasn't okay with um 
but there was no like limit like it we didn't have to rush it there was no time because from that we had to rush for it to happen so do you you know so thinking about like you know um some some stories that i've you know uh, heard through you know the research that i've done these past few weeks and talking mm-hmm. with you like a difference between people who are into kinky stuff when like when they're with their monogamous partner you know like mm-hmm. that they do it together they're on their own as opposed to people who are into being a part of this community finding other people you know going to these munches uh going to um like dungeons i know we've talked um about mm-hmm. that you know before like do you see like a a big like i don't know like what what are the benefits or like what's the difference like what is the difference between like you just having a like having this you know a regular this DS yeah <laughs> yeah or, or like or, or a DS like relationship so you're into BDSM and you're just into it with your partner you know and you're yeah. your partner as opposed yes. to people who are wanting to be a part of the community you know like so what's a benefit or like yeah okay so I understand what you're saying sorry it took me a minute it's okay so, I'm not making sense <laughs> yeah no you're fine um so I know I know people that's in the lifestyle with just them and their partners, but they don't like actively join out in the community or go to dungeons. Cause you don't have to do that to be a part of the community. You can just do it. Cause you have, it's called like, you like you live it 24 seven um, or only in the bedroom, which means you only live that lifestyle in the bedroom 24 seven would refer to like you would live that, dominance and submissive relationship 24 7 but all the important decisions would be made together so I've heard a little bit about that like when people say 24 7 what does that mean maybe for you or what is your experience with it okay so for me 24 7 was um where like I'm a submissive 24 7 and like he would like he wouldn't just like order me around and order me to do things um it's not necessarily like that but it's be like I would be given like different tasks to complete throughout the day that and I am going to use the word daddy because that is how I refer to him uh when I'm talking about the lifestyle that's how I refer to him Mm -hmm. um if I'm not I don't talk about him like that but that's what I call him every day (laughs) yeah okay um and it would be like he might be like ask me to complete one or two tasks um and like send him a picture just for confirmation that it was completed or etc like that's kind of a part of 24 7. so when you say tasks you mean like non-sexual things like this could be like you make coffee or something for him or something uh, it could be either or okay yeah it can be either or it can be sexual or it can be non-sexual it can be um like just like um writing lines um, like if I'm like having like a really rough day where I'm like having really bad self-esteem, constantly like measuring what my self-worth is because I've been having a lot of days like that. Like he would make me um, write lines that says like I'm enough, daddy loves me and things like that. For, like he's constantly wants to do things that's constant reassurance because he knows about the abuse I've been through. He knows about he knows about everything. Okay, I'm so into this. It's like empowerment, discipline. It, it's so cool. It, it is. And and what the fun part is that you get to pick. You get to choose what happens. You can say yes. You can say no. That's the fun part about it. And if you want something specific to happen or if you want like a specific scene that you want to happen or a fantasy that you want to play out, I can just say that. And he'll be like, okay. Like, it's my choice. I, I get to choose how I allow him to touch me is how I allow him to treat me yeah that that consent is still a part of yes and and he's all about consent because like we might be for the best words be going at it and he'll he'll stop in the middle and ask me if I'm okay or if there's anything that I need that's the kind of person and that's what he does that's the kind of person that he is and he's like that with um, if I did not mention male, I'm polyamorous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so my boyfriend does have a wife and we're all like it together. 
Okay. Um, and he's like that with me and with her. He's very considering, considerate when it comes to. Okay. So despite the, you know, concerns that you've already mentioned, we're, you know, just like in every, in every community, people can be creeps and people will, um, take advantage. Like the, the understanding of this culture is consent and is communication. Yes. In my relationship, we have, he has three fundamentals and we all three live by those three fundamentals and that's trust, honesty, and communication. And it just means that all partners involved are aware and consent to everything that's occurring and they're aware of everything and everyone that's involved. I like that. And like you all yeah, had to so like, like agree, like agree. Yeah. On those. So like him and him and I have a closed relationship, but we're kind of working on opening it up a little bit. But him and her have an open relationship, so she still dates other men, and he has me. And I'm kind of starting to spread my wings a little. But he's my primary. He is my person. Like I know that's where I want to spend the rest of my life at. Like, he's, he's my person. Hmm. I love that. So, yeah. tell me if this is too far to delve into. Because I'm just interested now. I know this is kind of going off, but in this polyamorous situation. So, are you and the other woman, are you, yep. like, do the three of you all do things together? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and we all go on dates together. So, like, me and the boyfriend will go on a date. And then we'll have a date and then she'll bring someone that she's seeing at the time and then we'll all four go on a date like we do that stuff all the time so yeah. kind of like the difference really be close. yeah the difference between like an open relationship which would maybe mean you know like um like if if you were if you and him were together but like mm -hmm. you know you knew about you knew about his wife but you like didn't hang out with her right like that would be like an open relationship but like polyamorous would be that you all are you, all together. You're all in this relationship together. Yes and no. Okay, so yes, you're all in it together because you're all involved, but you're not necessarily always going to be involved sexually with each other or the other person. Like her and I do have sexual involvement, but it is few and far in between. Like it doesn't happen very often. And then some people, like, they're fully immersed and involved with both partners. Um, and so that's kind of. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's different for everybody, right? Like, these yeah. are all, like, yeah, we're talking about your experience. Yeah, here, you know, like that. Um, and, and that's, like, what those agreements kind of would be and what that, you know, those uh, fundamentals, you know, and, like, what, um you would find works well for you. And I think too, I like how you talked about kind of like, look, you're kind of considering opening up your relationship, mm -hmm. like talking about that transition and talking about like that opportunity to change, you know, that your relationship isn't this, okay, this is what we've agreed to. And this is what we have to do forever. You know, yeah, no, it can always change. I think that is something that people who are in monogamous relationships, like, that's not an option. Like, that's not always something that like people understand as an option, you know, like to be like, Hey, this worked for us for a while, you know, but now we've been in this relationship for X amount of years, or now we're in our thirties. Now we're in our forties, you know, like, and just kind of looking at, okay, what other, what things could we be into now, you know, to where we can change. Well, I feel like the fear of communicating it in majority of relationships, I guess I feel like, our society puts in our minds that if, you know, one of us was to go home and just say in this monogamous relationship, I want us to start adding another person into this mix, or I want to try this or whatever. It's, it's the assumption is going to be that there's a problem instead of just a change needed. And yeah. I think that's what seems so healthy. in in this community is that that is this, looked at as this ongoing, ever-changing thing instead of a solution to a problem. It's just finding what works for you now. Yeah, well, some, and some people do use BDSM in a negative way, like trying to use it to solve a problem. A lot of people do do that, 
trying to bring an extra person in to because they think it's going to help their marriage or whatnot or make the other person happy when in the end all it does is causes a bunch of problems and issues because you never discussed it in the beginning Mm -hmm. yeah that like fear of being honest I mean the fear of being honest about sex starts really young right like we're very rarely um you know conditioned um, whether, you know, survivors or not into this idea that sex is something that we should communicate, that we should have pleasure out of, you know, especially as women, you know, like that's not always, um, you know, like something that's discussed for us and just kind of that shame, you know, around it. And, and I'm sure too, that for people who do have, um, kink interests, there's a shame element as well you know fear of of being judged or being judged by certain partners a lot of people have a fear of being judged um because they are just because a lot of people wonder why they have those feelings um why they have those impulses should they act on it thinking it's some negative thing when it's not necessarily a negative thing it's just something that's newly interested to them but they don't know how to go about it hey i think my relationship like especially with polyamorous like really improves your communication skills mm-hmm. a lot because <laughs> you have you to can't have open and honest communication in that kind of relationship then you might as well not be doing it yeah which is something that is missing, I think, in a lot of people's relationships that could, right, potentially further maybe traumatize someone who is a survivor, you know, when there's not that built-in communication, there's not that open door, um, you know, and, and I, I really do believe that if, as a culture, as a society, if we stopped um, making sex in general taboo, right? Not even to mention these other, I'm putting air quotes, you know, other taboo, um, you know, subcultures in it, like BDSM, like kink, um, you know, that we wouldn't have the sexual abuse that we do, you know, that because sex is used as a means of power, right? Like um, that, that is what sexual assault, you know, is and how that really, you know, is able to manifest. I mean, I think there's a lot of things, right? We have to do to eliminate sexual violence from our culture but I do think normalizing yeah this this um idea of communication um integrating consent so far into it right where you can't separate it which is from what I understand is what BDSM is like that's what BDSM strives to do is that because the part of the point of BDSM is to have that that healthy control but allowing what's the word I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's the word I'm looking for um and that control is for but is for all people involved like all yeah. people. yes everybody involved not just one person not just the dominant it's not the one who has all the control I think in I think that is the issue is that you know, when, if you were to use the term BDSM for a lot of people, they'd be like, wait, what? Well, and a then, lot of, and a lot of people do too. Cause they'll ask me, cause I, I talk about it all the mm-hmm. time. And so I feel like even when you explain it, I feel like a lot <laughs> of people would misunderstand and assume like coercion in submission almost where yes. From, from your definitions and, you know, from the, the little bit that, you know, I've researched about it, the person who's in the submissive role has just as much power as the person that's in the dominant role when it comes to the choices that are being made. But to well, me, it seems like that's the big misconception. Yeah, well, really, the submissive is the one who really has all the control. The submissive probably has about... 95% control and the dom has about 5% because he can't do anything to me unless I'm okay with it or I agree to it because everything that happens is my choice and since he's the one doing the actions you do have most of the control because if you mm-hmm. say no then he's not able to do yeah yes 
anything. But it's not like I just like order him around or there's nothing like that. We <laughs> no, it's nothing like that. Yeah, um, not for us, anyways. But I do know other people in the lifestyle that do live it that way. Um, and twenty four seven, where some of them like will wear collars and a leash out in public. I know friends personally that do that. It's not my thing. Um, I do have a collar, but I definitely am not going to wear it out in public. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's just me. I said it can be so healthy for you too. Like, like BDSM has a lot of mental health benefits because of the choices that you get to make. It has a lot of mental health benefits. Um, I think it has a lot of, for me, it has a lot, it reduces my stress. I sleep better. Like I sleep 10 times better <laughs> and I'm able to relax a lot more than I normally would ever have been able to um, with it. It's just, uh, it just makes things easier for me and easier to cope with and to handle my trauma and my stress. Why do you think that, or like, or why, yeah, why do you think that happens, that it makes you less stressed? Because I have a partner who I actually finally trust that I can live the lifestyle with, with the way that I've always wanted to, but I've never been able to do that with anybody else because I've never had that kind of trust for any other person. So, and some of the things that I've, um, I've read and listened to, People talk about coming to like a specific state whenever they're doing like scenes. Yes. So we have, there's called, um, it's called like subspace, which is where you get so far into a scene where it's kind of like you're mentally there, but you're not there. But it's not like with the use of drugs or anything. It's just like a euphoric mindset kind of, and you feel like really floaty like your body's all floaty and it's really awesome. Yeah, that was something. And if you have never experienced subspace, everybody needs to experience it at least once. I mean, and that would be different than like an orgasm. It's totally different. And that was something I've never heard. Although, you know what? Oh, so I have kind of heard that when talking about um, like, uh, like, and I guess I've learned about this in yoga, like this like kundalini like sex magic yoga things that some people are into um yeah that's like the only time that I've ever like heard of this specific this different type of brain space right like that's like that you're going to um Uh and I guess to to uh to explain when when you say scene that's like role play yes okay is that different than role play like is that considered something different or um, so it can, it can refer to the same thing, but it doesn't always necessarily, it just depends on what context you're talking about it in. Okay. I also wanted to share, so, um, we actually had some help from, uh, one of our interns who has access to, uh, fancy scholarly articles. Um, find, yeah, she found like, a, uh, she only found one, but, uh, article about, so it was titled participating in a culture of consent may be associated with lower rape supportive beliefs. Um, and so, so basically the findings of this research was they took three different groups. They took, um, a college age group, like a, a general community group, and then people who are in BDSM, into a BDSM community. And they found that the people who were in the BDSM community had much lower rates of what they called rape supportive beliefs. So, um, you know, which would be like, uh, you know, just like sexism, uh, believing that sexual violence has to happen or it's inevitable, it's going to happen. Um, believing that like, uh, that like women can't like have control over their sexual, um, desires and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that they found that people in the BDSM community had much lower rates of those things. Um, and that their argument was because the culture of consent, you know, was, so like permeated within you know that like that that was like a reason within why the lifestyle mm-hmm. yeah because that's what the lifestyle is all about that's how that's how it was that was one of the fundamentals that was created upon was that 
you can freely give consent or take away consent at any time. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that was, um, so interesting too, because in which I knew this, you know, as well, but also like what the article states is that, um, some critics of BDSM argue that BDSM represents an acceptable outlet for acting out sexual aggression against women. Um, you know, and so, but this, this research basically, right, like argues against that, like proves actually within this community, the opposite, you know, um, is really happening. Um, you know, that, and so like the college students that they had, um, they had surveyed had much higher rates. Like they were the highest of like, um, you know, of those sexist ideas, um, and the, yeah, what they called rape supportive, you know, just basically excused sexual assault, um, you know, did not have this understanding of consent. Um, so I thought that was, uh, pretty interesting. Like, I mean, helpful to know, right. Like to have this like official research, but like, what would you say though, to people who were like, and which maybe you've been asked this, you know, be like, so how is this okay for someone who's, who's a survivor? Like, how is this okay with you? So I've actually had people ask me this question a lot, especially when the Fifty Shades of Grey first came out because the BDSM community argues that Fifty Shades of Grey is nothing like the BDSM community and it's more, and people like domestic violence um, would see it more as being more domestic violence than consent, which I honestly didn't catch, get that personally that would I did not get that thought at all when I was watching those movies yeah or like people who are like this seems totally wrong for a survivor to be into this you know like I kind of I kind of have like a similar question like to people who are like how is this dominant submissive relationship feminist you know like how is this like how is this actually empowering and which I feel like you've already touched on it but for people who are maybe still struggling like I want to kind of reiterate like how is this actually empowering for you so it really I mean you know I have touched base on it a lot already but it's really it's all about that getting that consent and not like feeling like you're being coerced into it but it's something that you want to do and it's what in that you want to enjoy and for me, I found healing through BDSM after all the years of physical and sexual abuse because I'm the one in charge. I'm the one in power. I'm the one in control. It's my choice. I love that. I'm currently looking up to see if, uh, what, E.L. James, is that the author? Yeah, is yes, actually. I know that. Yes, yeah. it is. I was like, I know that. If, uh, if they're actually in the BDSM community. Well, I, rem I remember, I don't know if he is, but I do remember when those 50, sh 50 Shades of Grey came out and you had all the, the people protesting, um, saying that it was domestic violence and it was abuse and all that. I didn't catch that at all during that movie. I got like his history of his abuse, mm -hmm. but I did not necessarily think that he was doing that to her. But I also don't think the way he was going about things was the right way either. So I ended up reading these books because of the backlash of it. Because oh, it, so it got me so, it got me interested. Actually, I shouldn't say books because I don't think I finished all of them. I got interested in it because of how the mental health discussion around it, because it got into this. It's actually a woman who was a Twilight fan and wrote it as fan fiction, as like, uh, what's the vampire's name on Twilight? The main guy? Uh, Edward. Edward. Edward Cullen. But that she wrote the main guy as if instead of being a vampire, his power was like sexual dominance and that he was pretty much a wealthy white dude. I feel like she has made all these conversations. I feel like her intention was normalizing non-boring sex. Like, I feel like that was her intention. And she's like, I'm this housewife that dreams of these things happening to me and they're not. And like, I, and like her interviews, that's how I took it at least. Is she was like trying to put a 
like saying a lot of women want these things and are too afraid to ask for them. So I'm going to put it in a book for them. But I know there were a lot of people saying that they felt like her. I don't, I can't, I'm, I'm doing so bad because I don't remember any of the characters' names. The main girl almost was confusing. Anastasia like, Yeah. Was putting like, <laughs> it was like conditional. Like uh, his love was connected to her actions as yeah. a submissive almost. And that yeah. was an issue, which the yeah. backstory of him is a whole nother thing of, of what I would consider child abuse since he was under. Oh, yeah. Like, did you like it? Were you like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is what I like to do. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So when I watched the movies, I wasn't necessarily catching, like, picking up on, like, I did, I did get the domestic abuse aspect where people could be thinking that mm-hmm. because of how it did seem so conditional that, like, because he kept saying, I don't do this, but I'll do this. I don't do this, but I'll do this not really given her a choice until they actually got engaged kind of mm-hmm. um except for the choice of consent really but other than that she the rest of her freedom was kind of other than school and being able to work and all that was kind of taken away in the beginning I felt like does he okay so I will say I've never read these books I've never watched the movies I've never um, read the books. so I recognize where I'm coming from there um but like was he paying her like was he like taking care of her she's like a kept woman in it like he she has a room kept um he doesn't pay her they so he wanted her under a contract that's how the whole the first movie is all about this contract that he's trying to get her to sign to become his submissive and that contract um basically would state that like she's a submissive um and has all these rules listed that she has to follow. Like she has to be on this birth control and she has to see the doctor that he, um, that he recommends her to go to. Um, he, she has to work out and run and exercise regularly and like different things like that. And yeah, she has was, no choice. There was in a this, food right? regimen yes. and stuff. Cause he's like, if you're not, if you're yes. eating crap food, you're going to pass out when we do these things. You're not going to have like the, this physical stamina, so, like, you need to get your cardio in and you need to be eating, like, this heart-healthy diet kind of thing. This is so problematic. Like, yeah, there, that's where the problems come in. And I mean, it's, like, she had no introduction into this. Like, yeah. they met because she, like, interviewed him or something. And he yes, was, for like, her friend. Yep. Yeah, and so, basically, what the author, okay, the author, from what people are saying, the author has not come out to say that she's a part of the BDSM community uh she's Uh actually she actually made this really problematic statement that was saying like that this was her fantasy and that she's but she wrote this I don't know she was like this is just like what I'm thinking I'm not really such a pervert Um, I don't I don't think the book was technically written to be a book I think it was more like she was one of those like fan fiction writers on like Wattpad it was yeah and then it just blew up because all these you know, like pent up housewives who aren't, you know, having good sex at home. We're like, I need this. And so it yep. shows that the BDSM <laughs> community is alluring and that people would, would want to join it if it wasn't so taboo in our society. But I feel like, you know, you alluded to this of like how you did research, you went through the right channels and that's how it's safe for you. In 50 shades of gray, it was forced upon her almost. Yes. And then like all of these women who are into this, don't know how to get there and won't take the right channels to get there. And yes. And before her, he, if you, I don't know if you remember, he had 15 other women prior to her that um, he had done this with. I'd be curious to know that people who've been in this community for a while, and maybe like, I think this will probably be more noticeable, like on FetLife, if that after this, book came out that these movies came out if they saw this huge uptick right of people wanting to join but then like being not right about it right like finding mm-hmm. you know maybe finding men who were interested in being what christian gray is right this like i'm gonna tell you like basically a sex slave i mean an abusive person yeah like came yeah. into it with an abusive course of mindset yeah and like i just ugh, i just hate when people 
who like she basically had no reason right to portray this community this way <laughs> like yeah that's so why rude. a lot of people were angry about it um and they and they did have a huge um like intake of people after the movies came out because that was in my bdsm 101 class at my first kink party um remember the one i was telling you about where it had to, um they showed the video about the the british tea and consent yes they did the consent yes. tea video yes yeah. and we had it and like before you were allowed to even like go into the dungeon area you had to do the bdsm 101 class it was an hour long and it was all about consent what a dom is how a dom's supposed to act and like all this like how you're supposed to treat people in the lifestyle etc and it was very it was really like it was awesome i really liked doing that don't worry the conversation doesn't end there we had so much to talk about in our discussion of bdsm polyamory and the kink community that we'll be back with a part two with our special guest Thanks for hanging out with us. And remember, we're still not asking for it. This podcast has been brought to you by Hope Harbor, a sexual trauma recovery center located in South Central Kentucky. Special thanks to Girl Tones for our intro. Listen to the rest of their song, Can't Pause, and others wherever you stream or buy music. Um.